welcome back to the Assistant Files podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gilbert. I write the blog at theassistantfiles.com, and I am now offering a coaching course for administrative assistants. Just go to theassistantfiles.com and click on the Systems Success Course tab for more information. Today's episode is an interview with a top assistant from Idaho Falls. Stephanie Brackett's team closed 342 transactions last year. Listen in as we talk about top producer and how the DISC profile can be used effectively as an administrative assistant. Stephanie, I totally loved your story of how you came to work with the Anderson Group in Idaho Falls. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, sure. Actually, I um, I was working for another agent at the time, and we had just become we went from an independent office to a Keller Williams office back in 2010. This independent Keller Williams was approached approached us, and um, the the guy that owned the business was super excited about Keller Williams, so we became Keller Williams. So I was originally hired by him to be a tech coordinator and help out that way. So I did that for a little bit and then his assistant got hurt. And so he's like, I need your help. So we started to build a team because that was what you do at Keller. So we had three buyer's agents and he was the mega agent and I was the administrative assistant. And that's what we did. And when I, um, when I left him, we had over 125 listings. We started with about 60 and went to 125. So anyway, um, we were merging Keller Williams and Remax across the street owned probably 80% of the market share in all of Idaho Falls. Wow. And Keller Williams um, had a small building and Remax had a giant building and Remax wasn't full. They, the building was killing them. It was pulling them under because they had, the, they built the building in the, in the big real estate boom. So yeah. now they have this giant building. Yeah. So um, the owners of both companies started talking and they worked out a deal and they were merging the big Remax office with Keller Williams and we were going to become this giant Keller Williams office. So the top two agents from Remax actually approached me to do some consulting for them mm-hmm. to figure out how to set up a team. Cause that was totally foreign to them at Remax. They didn't have teams. Yeah. So I, um, went over to their office and, and did some consulting work. They wanted me to kind of write an operations manual is really what they wanted me to do. They didn't know what their admin staff did. They had no idea. They had um, two admin and kind of two part-time admin working for them. And most of their business was Fannie Mae. They did a ton of Fannie Mae. So they didn't know how to do it. Right. The two agents didn't. They had yeah. no clue. They yeah. left it to their admin. So I went over to consult with them to start um, – figuring out an operations binder and writing a binder for them. And when I looked at their numbers and started talking to them, I realized I didn't want to consult for them. I wanted to work for them. Oh, nice. So yeah. um, When I sat down with them the first time I told them, I said, okay, the first thing you guys are going to have to do to set up this, this team is you are going to have to have a kick butt admin. Who on your team can do that? Which one of these four girls that work for you right now can can take that role. And they said, none of them, none of them can do that. Wow. And I said, Oh, really? <laughs> they, they can't. And they said, No, do you know anyone? And I said, No, not really. <laughs> so that's kind of how it went. And then it was kind of back and forth a little bit. And then I ended up they ended up offering me a job and I took the job. Awesome. That is so cool. How did you know that they needed someone with a or, or what they needed as far as admin goes? Like, how did you know that they needed a strong personality or 
someone that could drive the business? I could tell just by talking to them. So, so there were, it was an uncle and a nephew that, mm -hmm. that were team that were together as the team. And the uncle, um, if I had to guess at his disc personality, like day one, he was definitely an IS, yeah. just super likable guy. And just really, you could tell that people probably, he probably did a ton of businesses. People really liked him. Mm -hmm. He was just a really likable guy. Sure. And then the nephew, Sean, who's who I currently work for, he's a DC, like, all the way, super uh -huh. like to the point, really driven, very much. And I could tell that the admin staff that they had was not a good mesh. None of them were really a leader. They just kind of did what they were told to do. And sure. no one really took any initiative to try and make anything better. They just kind of did what did whatever they had to do to get by. Right, right. So awesome. I knew they would need someone strong to mesh the two of them together because those two we're not going to just work together without drama. Like right. it was, their personalities were so opposite. So they needed someone with a, a strong uh, attention to detail and yet able to um, mesh with their personality style oh, for sure. to bring for them sure. out into what they do yeah. best and yeah. not worry so much about it. You need this paper for this thing and right. this system right. for that thing. Yeah, gotcha. for sure. Gotcha. Now, um, you told me that you are moving out of your current market. Center. Yeah, we're moving out of the building. We've outgrown it. We, we had, when I first started working with them, we had two offices upstairs and two offices across the hall. And so we just kind of had four offices and it was just like four of us. So it was no big deal. And then last year we hired, we brought on a buyer's agent and actually Sean and Steve ended up splitting up that, that team lasted about two and a half years. And then Steve kind of decided that he just kind of wanted to sell real estate. He didn't mm -hmm. want to grow this team. And, and Sean wanted to grow this huge team. He yeah. was all about like making this big team. So they split up. So um, we hired another buyer's agent, got a buyer's agent on. And, and then we started just ISA and other transaction, but we just started growing. So we moved downstairs into the office where we had about 1500 square feet. Mm -hmm. And we thought that would last us three years. Yeah. And we moved in a year ago, March, and we are completely outgrown. Wow. We have four new employees starting in the next two weeks. Oh my gosh. Did you yeah. hire all four of them yourself or was that a... No, they're all sales. They're all okay. on the sales side. So we have um, two more ISAs, uh, three more ISAs and a listing manager. Okay. So. Okay, cool. Now, when you guys decided to move to a new building, did you, you build a new building or are you moving we, in? No, we bought an existing building and we're okay. just remodeling the inside. And it literally is like 27 steps away from the current building that we're in. Oh, wow. We just have to walk across the street. Oh, that's, so, that's good. Yeah, there's like a professional complex right across the street with doctors and sure. uh, dentists and eye classes. And it's in that little professional shop. Right. How did you guys find that building? Actually, I found it because we just, we kept wanting, we were going to buy a new building, like an actual brand new one. that was just a shell. Mm -hmm. uh, we were actually thinking about leasing. And um, I told Sean, why don't we just buy it? Like, let's invest in what we do. Let's buy the building. Why lease it? We can right. get the lease payment is more than what the actual payment would be if we owned the building. Mm -hmm. So Very cool. So I just started trolling around for commercial buildings and found one. That's awesome. Uh, did you also do the design work on the remodel or did you leave that to somebody else? Um, we kind of, Sean and I 
ourselves kind of drew up what we wanted it to look like and we have someone else doing that but we decided because it was it was a dentist's office before uh-huh. so it's pretty open slate so I kind of told them what I think would work best for the team and then we had someone draw it up and then we're letting someone else do the designing awesome but the actual floor plan layout was Sean and I okay did that take a lot of time to do or was that no okay no, it's funny because he's, like I said, he's a DC. He doesn't have a lot of vision for things. So I had to actually like draw it on paper and show him what I was talking about, how to do right. it. And when he saw it on paper, he's like, oh, that's, that's, I totally get it now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But you know what? That's so true of an assistant though, to be able to take someone's idea and turn it into something physical that they can yeah. actually see and go, oh yeah, that's what I was talking about. Yeah. Even though they may not know that that's what they were talking about. Yeah. Now that they yeah. have you to do that, that's awesome. He didn't know that, that. He he kept thinking there wasn't enough space. I'm like, Sean, there's plenty of space. I promise you. It's 2,600 square feet. It's plus a basement where we can put a conference room and stuff. I'm like, it's pl- plenty big. It's a 1,000 square feet bigger than what we have right now awesome. and much more usable space. Awesome. Do you think that you can – how many more people do you think you can fit in there? We can fit 24 in okay. there. And so you're at how many now? We're at about 19. So, okay. but But we're – I mean, we're pretty – uh, all the positions we hope to have filled, we filled. We'll probably bring in more buyer's agents, but as far as operations and like ISAs and stuff, we're at what we want to be at probably for the next three or four years. Awesome. Do you think that numbers wise, because how many how many sales did you guys do last year? 342. And you're at how many this year? Uh, we're right at this very second. We're probably 225, 227, somewhere around there. But we're looking to do 420 this year. Okay. Uh, 420. So you think that with the 24, 25 so people that you're going to be able to get to how many with that many people? We should probably be able to do 600 with that many people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not a huge market. So like our team has, we run between seven and 10% market share, just our team. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So it's not a very big market. Yeah. How did you guys get that much market share? Um, processes, systems. I mean, it really, it really comes down to the basics. Like we are religious about our lead gen time. We are religious about processes and systems and, and delivering jaw dropping customer service, every transaction. That's our goal every time. And so without systems and processes, you just can't even do that. It's not possible. There's there's so many teams out there that just, they want to do it, but they don't have the system that allows them to do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so let's go move on to um, your disc profile because you said that your agent is a DC. Yes. And yours is? I'm a DI. I'm a 99D99I. And I am totally not a fit for an executive assistant. It says I'm like the worst fit. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. I said I, this really stands out to me because I don't see a lot of executive assistants with this personality profile. Yeah. Do you think that you are successful as an admin because of your disc profile or in spite of it? Um, probably because of it. I, I, I'm kind of an anomaly, I think. I, I've been a, an executive assistant type for most of my career. I worked for Home Depot for 15 years prior to mm-hmm. getting into real estate. And I was an assistant for district managers, for vice presidents. I ran the whole administrative team for all the district managers on the whole West Coast. So I've just... I'm the type of person, I don't want to be the man. I want to be the girl behind the man. I just want to. 
Yeah. And my disc profile actually matches for a mega agent. I'm supposed to be a mega agent. That's what my disc profile matches. That's what my ABA matches. I'm like a perfect match for an OP, a team leader, or a mega agent. So, and, and yet you have no desire to do any of those? Not, none of them. Yeah. Don't want it. Yeah. Yep. What, do, what is it about those that don't appeal to you? You know, I'm not a risk taker. I don't like to take big risks. So, so me to put my money and my livelihood on the line and have to figure out how to support 15 employees. If, if things are going south, I don't want to do it. I just, I don't want to do it. I don't blame you. <laughs> and, and Sean's very much a risk taker. He's, he's willing to put his money where his mouth is. And, mm -hmm. and he's, he's very conservative about the risks he does take. He's very, I mean, he pays himself a salary. It doesn't matter how much money the company makes. He makes the same salary. He hasn't given himself a raise in three years. So he's conservative in that sense, mm -hmm. but he, he's willing to take the risk because he knows it'll work. And he basically just won't fail. He's like, I'm just, it's just not going to fail. We won't fail. And if this market completely crashed and just went south I, we just talked about meeting the other day. He says, you know, it'd be you and me and Jason, our lead buyer's agent and, and a transaction coordinator. And we would still be successful in this market. And we would still make money if the market just absolutely tanked. That's awesome that he has that much confidence. He does. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure that makes you feel like you're behind the right leader. Oh, for sure. With that kind of confidence. In fact, when they split, they both asked me to go with them. Uh -huh. Like Steve wanted me to go with him and Sean wanted me to go with oh, him. No, and there's literally no question. And I love Steve. Steve's way easier to work for. It would have been a way easier job because yeah. it would have been like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, just come into work, work for a little while and head home. And he was generous with money. It would have been totally easy, but it would not have been a challenge. And, right. and I knew Sean would be a challenge, but I believe that he could do what I wanted him, like wanted to go where I wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely sounds like for you personally, you made the right decision for you. Oh, for sure. Based on your, sure. your needs. And I, I think that's so true that even as admin, we need to be challenged in our own roles to develop ourselves. Uh, oh, for sure. Because what would be the point of going into an office and, and you know, working for a few hours and going home? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like fun for a couple of months. But then after that, you would get bored yeah. with that very easily. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I did the stay-at-home mom thing for about a year. Mm. Yeah. You can only clean bathrooms so many times. Like I clean my bathrooms every day. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You get really bored really fast. Yeah, I can imagine. Yes. Now you said you work with a lot of S and SC type personalities. Yeah. As a D, how are you able to communicate with the other admin on your team without being overbearing or too fast paced for them? I, I have to really scale it back. So I really have to be cognitive of how I'm talking to them because I know when I'm talking, I'm just like, hey, look, let's just get this done. You know what I mean? And they, they're like, wait, 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 whoa, 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 slow down. So I've learned over many, many, many years that when you're talking to an SC, you have to be, okay, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. If you come up with a better idea to do it, go for it. Just let me know what you did. Yeah. You know, I just have to be really open and slow way down because I'm a fast talker. I'm a fast mover. I, everything's just fast, 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 fast. Yep. Yep. Do you guys use that same sort of principle, the disc personality when talking to clients as well? Do you kind of get a read on them? And, and yeah, Sean's really good at that. I don't know. If, I don't, I know Sean and then our lead buyer's agent, both really good at reading people. Mm -hmm. He's our lead buyer's agent did $205,000 last year. Wow as a buyer's agent, that's amazing. On, you know, on a 50, 50 split, just, I mean, he can sell real estate yeah. and he's phenomenal, but he's a very good read of people. And so he does, he can match his style 
to whatever, whatever hits him. Yeah. yeah. That that's, I totally find that the agents that can do that are the ones that have the most success because when you treat people the way they want to be treated, they become more attached to you. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And they really buy into you as a, as a person. They're like, Oh, this person's got my back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I find the teams that do that to be very successful. I've, trained our transaction coordinator um, to do that as well. So anytime any one of us puts someone into our database, we're attaching their disk profile. Right, and yeah. And then whenever she gets the file and calls them, she already knows up front who to talk to and how what their style is. Right, yeah. We put it in notes in Top Producer. So mm-hmm. are you guys a Top Producer user? Oh, yeah. We're, I'm here okay. in the Top Producer. So we have a little hack. We, we, we predate... We, um, Predate a note. We just uh-huh. bump the note out a year and put three asterisks at the top. And so it always stays at the very top. It's the very first note. And it'll say like, this client never answers the phone, much prefers email, very direct and to the point. And so that's just the very first note. Anytime you pop in the file, that's the note. So everybody kind of knows. So if I'm like working with them, talking through the listing process with them, and I realize, okay, they much rather text than talk on the phone. They're yeah. very short or talk to the wife. Don't talk to the husband. That's the note that goes in there and it carries through all the way through closing. So when my TCs get them, they know, oh man, I got to call this person like every day. Right. That yeah. is awesome. No, I'd never thought about predating a note. So, so yeah, put, put it like we bump it out like to 2017. So the date is 2017. So it stays on the top. Right. Right. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. I'm writing that down. <laughs> there's, your, there's your TP hack for the day. Exactly. I love it. Okay, so you've done some hiring yourself, all of the admin except for the first TC. And actually, that first TC that I didn't hire is gone. Like, she doesn't work there anymore. She lasted six months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So all of the other ones I've hired, I've hired um, one TC that moved to Boise. So she transferred. She didn't, she, I would have kept her forever. Uh Um, And then I hired her replacement and then a second TC a listing coordinator and our director of first impressions. And then our runners, I hire our runners too. Where do you find is the best place to get your admin? Are you specifically going to like Indeed or Craigslist or your Facebook friends? Facebook, we do a lot of Facebook. And and generally we're asking on Facebook for people like to tell us who they know that they think would be awesome at this job. And we, I want them employed. Mm-hmm. I, I want to take someone who's employed. I, I don't tend to have very good luck with unemployed people because they're unemployed sometimes for a reason. Yes. <laughs> so I love to hire employed people. So anybody I've ever hired, hired was already employed. I didn't, okay. I took them from another job. Yeah. You know, I think that's very good advice actually. Yes. How quickly do you tend to move through the hiring cycle? Like, is from the moment you decide, okay, now we know we need to fill this position to filling the position, how much time typically passes? My listing coordinator probably took me about three and a half months to hire. Um, My TC actually was a listing, kind of a a virtual listing assistant. um, And she moved to the area and I just we were in desperate need. My, my current TC, this is just like during our growth boom. And, and, and like I said, Sean's a little conservative. So he didn't want to bring on a second TC if we were going to go back, we were at 60 pendings and he didn't want to bring on a second TC if we were going to be back at 30. Right. And so it just kept being 60. I'm like, we got to go now. Like we're going to lose her. She's working till nine or 10 every single night trying to get stuff done. Wow. So that was a, 
that was a rush hire. So I was just like, look, I'll give you my listing coordinator. I'll take back on all the listing stuff. My listing coordinator can be a TC. She's licensed anyway, because she had done it on her own. Mm-hmm. And so she was kind of, and she's been phenomenal. She's been a great transaction coordinator. Awesome. So that one was kind of a rush move. But then my listing coordinator to replace her. Yeah, that one took me three and a half months. And then it probably took me two to three months to hire my director of first impressions too. Right. Which is good because I, I've always heard hire slow, fire yep, fast. Absolutely. And yep. three months te- tends to be the average amount of time it takes to hire somebody, which yep. seems very slow to me because I'm like, oh, just get him yep. in and get him hired. That's me too. <laughs> but, I'm a high team. I'm just like, listen. But you know, yeah. um, I've made some really great hires. I've made a couple that are, mm, and, and the couple that are, mm, I wish I would have taken more time. Good. Good advice. I Have you had to fire anybody? I did, yeah. The very first TC we had, yeah. yeah. We had a Terminator. And you didn't hire that one, though? I did not hire that one, okay. but it, it took me about six months to realize she was just, she wasn't a cultural fit, mm-hmm. really, for the team. And she was one of those people that everything was always on fire. Like, her hair was on fire 100% of the time, and it just was not good. It wasn't good for the clients. It wasn't good for the agents. It wasn't good for anybody. So yeah. we just sat her down and said, you know, is this working for you? I feel like it's not like a really good fit. And she kind of let herself go. So yeah, it was a mutual decision. That one's always easier when it is mutual decision. It's the ones that think they're doing a fantastic job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. if they think they're doing a fantastic job, it's probably my fault that <laughs> expectations, right? Exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah. That is so huge. The expectations part. Yeah. So that's what we always say. I always, if I'm ever having a conversation with a, with a, an associate about something, so there's expectations, there's skill and there's drive expectations is 100% my responsibility. Mm-hmm. That is on me. If they don't know the expectations, that's my fault. Right. So I haven't clearly set expectations. Skill is kind of 50, 50. They have to want to learn how to do it, and I have to be able to teach them how to do it or get them to someone who can teach them how to do it. So skill is shared equally. Drive is 100% them. And, and you know, someone who's got a 7 drive, you might be able to get them to an 8, but I doubt you'll get them to a 10. They mm-hmm. just are what they are. It's That's their personality. You can't really light a fire on under someone who doesn't want to have a fire lit under them. Right. So we always go back to that. If I've set the expectations 100% clearly, I've given them all the tools they need to gain the skills and the drive isn't there, maybe it's time to cut bait. That is so worth writing down. So expectations, skills, and drive. Drive. Yep. You own expectations as the leader 100%. You share equally in the skills and the drive is 100% the employees. I love that. That's awesome. All right, so switching gears just a little bit, uh, what is the number one lead source for you guys? Referrals. And you do television and radio ads too, don't you? We do do uh, Rate. Yep, we use Rate as a client. Uh, that's our uh, marketing person, and they do radio and television for us, yes. So we, we advertise with Barbara Corkman on Shark Tank. Uh-huh. Um, we're endorsed with um, Glenn Beck and Dave Ramsey. So we do a lot of radio and television so even, even though you do a lot of radio and television, referrals is still your number one. Absolutely. Our, our radio and television were probably 12% and referrals are 30. Wow. Okay. So how are you guys able to accomplish that? 
Uh, Jaw-dropping customer service is probably the number one thing. We want people talking about us all the time. We want them to leave the transaction saying, holy crap, that was like the best real estate experience I've ever had. And in fact, we have two clients right now that are both purchasing out of state and selling their houses here and have both called us probably at least five times asking if there's any way we can step in and handle their transaction out of state because their agent out of state is just awful. Yes. So it's, it's got to be the jaw-dropping customer service. If you can provide that, that client, I mean, the, the lifetime value of a customer is probably $50,000. If you really look at how many referrals they're going to send you and how many times they're going to do business, we treat every client as being worth $50,000 to the business. Yeah. So it, it's just, we track everything. We, we send out surveys on everything. <laughs> I send out a survey after we get the Zillow and the realtor.com. That's just a survey monkey survey asking about, and we're basically measuring the um, NP, the net promoter score. So the NPS, I don't know if you've heard of that before. I have not. A net promoter score is um, if they rate you, it's on a scale of one to 10. Mm -hmm. If they rate you a nine or a 10, they are a promoter of your company and they will talk about you and and bring business back to you. If they are seven or an eight, they're neutral probably not going to do you a whole lot of good. Mm -hmm. If they're six or below, they're a detractor and they will not bring you or help you gain business. So we send out a survey and we track our net promoter score. In fact, my, um, for our 40X, we're doing four disciplines of execution. My 40X goal, because we have such a high referral rate, because have you done 40X before? I've heard of it. We've not implemented it. Okay. So the four disciplines of execution, everybody has to have a goal and that goal has to wrap up into the team goal. So our team goal, obviously, is our 420 transactions by December 31st of 2016. So it has to be, I want to go from what to what by when. That's how the goal has to be formatted. Okay. So everybody's goal, obviously, so the buyer's agents have a goal of how many transactions they're going to do. The listing agents have a goal of how many transactions to do. But then you've got your ops team. So how do they help drive that number? So ours is to maintain a net promoter score of 95% or better by 2000, at the end of 2016. So that's why we do the survey monkeys. I call everybody who gives us a score of less than uh, eight Mm -hmm. and and talk to them and ask them, what could we have done better on this transaction? Where do we lose you guys on this? What do you just not give (laughs) tens? Maybe you're (laughs) one of those people that just doesn't give a 10. Right. There are those. So So that is my, because if I can drive that business, that means that drives our referral business, which drives our sales. Absolutely. So that, that's how we do, that's how we get referrals is we try to provide absolutely jaw dropping customer service. And I've only had to make two calls. We have a 95% net promoter score. Well, I guess they call it a 9.5. I say 95, but we have a 9.5 out of the people that we've surveyed. So very cool. Yeah. That's amazing. So what does jaw-dropping customer service look like? What does the customer receive that makes them give you a nine or a 10? Um, the way the questions are worded actually kind of enlightens you as to what that means. So the way I word the questions is um, during the closing process, how did you feel about the closing team's Um, contact frequency or something. I can't remember exactly what the question is, but the answers are like, they did awesome. They called me before I even knew that I had a question and answered all my questions. I mean, that's jaw dropping customer service, being one step ahead of the client so that Mm -hmm. you're telling them what they need to know before they even know that they need to know it. Right. 
And so you're so, saying like nine tenths of it is communication. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And pre-acting and preventing problems before. And, and our top producer plans, um, another top producer hack I'll give you. Yes. We actually used to have um, planned calls, right? Mm -hmm. So we'd have caller, email client, two days after accepted offer and discuss this. Blah, yep. blah, blah. Yep. We don't do that anymore. We have one task for calling or contacting the client and they bump that task every time they talk to the client, depending on the client. Sure. Some clients, you know, you need to talk to them every single day or they will call you. So they'll call the client, make a note and bump it to tomorrow. So it pops up again and tells them to call them again. Gotcha. Some so, people are like, yeah, I don't essentially, need to talk to you. Yeah, everyone gets a customized plan in Top Producer without plan. you having to build out a plan in Top Producer. Exactly. That is brilliant, Stephanie. And then what it does is it keeps all the notes for that call right. in one spot. Right. So you just pop that note open and every time you've talked to that client, it's all in one spot. Exactly. Instead of, you know, throughout the plan that you're looking at all the notes and they're just mixed up. Right. Right. Or even yeah. if my transaction coordinator is gone for the day and I have to step in and make Absolutely. the next phone call, I already see all of the notes. In Pop there. in and every communication she's had with that client is right there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yep. We do a lot of that too, where we take the notes in top producer as well as we'll copy um, any pertinent emails that need to go in there. We do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Cause that just makes it, there's no doubt as to what was said and when, when it exactly. was said. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we, we try to tell our agents when we're training them on top producer. Top producer, the notes in there are not for you to feel like you did your job. Like that's not why you're putting a note in and checking off a task. The notes in there are for the client to feel like there's seamless communication between the team. Exactly. Like that, you know, Jason, the buyer's agent and Haley, the transaction coordinator, have talk about your file every day. That's what we want the client to think. But yep. you guys are just sitting and chatting about their file all day long and everybody knows exactly what's going on. Yep. And that's how you make it happen is through top producers. So the notes, you know, what's the information? Who's it been communicated to? Whose responsibility is it? What's the next step? That's yep. what your note needs to answer all those questions. Yeah. And, you know, anytime you can put something personal in there, like if they mention their dog's name oh, or sure. the names of their kids or you know, oh, they're going sure. on vacation, whatever it is, yep. you can put it in there and then make reference to that. Oh, for sure. That they they just keep like, that up. They yeah. do. I have yeah. one today that's I because I handle all the listing clients right now. So I handle the weekly calls and then the, the agents call on a monthly basis to talk to the listing clients to do price drops and stuff like that. But I'm calling them every single week to chat about showing feedback and um, any interested buyers, what their current status is, if they are still interested, if they've taken it off the list, whatever. So I had one today and last week my note was, hey, Gary's going in for hip surgery on Monday. Yeah. So my note, and I said, wait until Friday to call. I didn't want to bug him like the day after hip surgery. Yeah, right. So today I called and I'm like, hey, Joette, just call to see how, how Gary's doing. How's his hip? You know, and they, she's just like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for calling. But I mean, I have 50, uh, 50 active clients right now. I'd never remember that if I didn't have a note. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's little details like that, that really oh, does sure. that, that jaw dropping uh, service. So you mentioned um, calling the clients um, as part of your job. Take us through what a typical day looks like for you. Oh gosh. They're, they're all atypical, <laughs> <laughs> but generally um, we all have the same, like the entire team. Eight, eight o'clock to 8.30 or whenever you get in, 
my, I get in at 8.30. I'm an 8.30 to 5.30. So I'm the last person there in the day. Everybody else leaves at 5. But I come in at 8.30. From 8.30 to 9, while the guys are doing their, their emails and their morning kickoff meeting, I'm emptying my email inbox first thing. So, and we all live by the Gary Allen getting things done philosophy. I don't know if you've ever read the book. If you have not, I highly recommend it. It's the best yep. book ever. Yep. I've read it seven times now. Changed my life. Awesome. So anything that can be done in two minutes or less gets done immediately during my inbox processing time. Okay. Anything that needs any additional work on, if I need to do a CMA or comps or whatever that can be done in two minutes, goes into my as soon as possible file. Um, the concept behind that is there could be something literally on fire at the bottom of your inbox. It could be the most important thing you've got to do today. And if you go through your entire inbox and process everything, you get to that last and now it's 1130 and it was supposed to be taken care of at nine. Yeah. So two minutes or less, I'm to the bottom of my inbox in half an hour. And then I start working on as soon as possible or what uh, the guys are in um, lead gen time from nine. Let's see, they start at 845 and they go till 1015 and they do their kickoff. So that's my quiet time where I can go look at my top producer tasks, determine what my day is going to look like, how much time I need. If I have 35 clients called a day, mm -hmm. I need three hours after after lunch to do that. Yeah. So, um, and then I start on my as soon as possible file and see what I need to get done that, that takes two minutes or less. And then after lunch is generally my calling clients time or my meeting times. We have lots of meetings. I meet with each of my um, administrative staff on a one-on-one -on -one each week. I do payroll every other week. I have a one-on-one -on -one with my team leader every week. So that's kind of my day. Yeah. Yeah. What and then of course, answering phones and answering emails all day long. Yes. Yeah. Do you find that you get interrupted during times when you're trying to really hammer stuff out? And how do you deal with that? You know what? I do. I get interrupted all the time. But it's funny because my boss is one of those people that you just don't interrupt. Like if he's in the office with the door closed, it is no go. You do not go in there. And I'm like the gatekeeper. Nope. Sorry. Can't go in. <laughs> um, I don't mind getting interrupted. I I absolutely don't believe in multitasking. I don't think you can multitask. I believe it's a myth. You can never devote 100% of your attention to more than one thing at a time. I agree. So if I'm doing something really, really like payroll where I'm really trying to concentrate and get things done, I'll close my door and people won't interrupt me. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, if it's not super important, if I'm just calling clients and someone pops in, it's totally fine. I can, you know, wait for two minutes to start my next call and get their transaction. I don't want them to feel like I'm too busy for them. I want them to feel like they can totally come to me for anything they need and I'll take care of it. Awesome. Do you find yourself um, taking a lot of time to get back to what you were doing or for you, is it pretty quick? Like when I'm, you I'm, I'm pretty good, quit at, good at switching. Yeah. 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 Unless it's something like, like if I'm trying to figure out payroll splits because we've got a, a referral fee and the clients, I mean, and the agents on a split with Keller Williams still, they haven't capped and this and that. I'm trying to figure that out the way our payroll system works. If I get interrupted, it takes me a good five to seven minutes to figure out where I was. Yes. But if it's just, I was on the phone with a client and I need to jot something down really quick and someone comes in and asks me a question, I'm, I can switch back and forth pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. The stuff that requires more brain power typically yeah. comes to... Sure. I, I find that to be true for myself. I'm a high C myself. And so for me, I get deep into things like in my mind. So it takes me a little bit of time to get back to, to what back. I was doing. Yeah, that's that's my boss. He's very high C. He's yeah. like a 
80 on the C probably. Yeah. yeah, that's that is definitely the C personality. But that, I think that's why it's good to know yourself too of how you're going to handle things when you are interrupted. Because some people can jump right Did back. I lose you? No, oh, can you hear me? Still Did I lose you? Oh, there you go. Okay. Now you're fuzzy. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, I got you now. Okay, good. So I was saying that it helps to know your own personality style because if you are like a high C and you know it's going to take yourself some time to get back to doing what you are doing, that you might want to take a note and, and tell the person, hey, hang on a second, let me write this down so that you it takes less time to get back to what you were doing and then right. you can still handle the interaction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Sean definitely has to, that's how he, that's how he works. He's just a high C and he knows that if he doesn't, like he can't switch back and forth quickly. It just doesn't work for him. Right. Yes. What's been the most challenging part of this role for you? Can you hear me now? Are you there? I'm here. Seems like it's having a little trouble. I'm here. So am I. Okay. Okay. <laughs> am I fuzzy to you? You're fuzzy to me. Oh, no, you're good for me. Okay. All right. Your, check your Wi-Fi. Is it? Yeah, it seems fine. So does mine. Interesting. Okay. I don't know. I know. Okay. What's been the most challenging part of this role for you? Probably figuring out how to mesh with my agent really well, because we are definitely two completely different personality styles. I, I'm like super peppy and happy and upbeat. And he is pretty even keel and doesn't get really excited about stuff and he's hard to read. Um, so that took us probably a good two and a half to three years to figure out how to really mesh well with each other and be honest with each other. Like it took me three years to say, Sean, when you do that, it pisses me off. And like, you're going to make me quit my job if you don't stop that. Yeah. Like it took me a long time and it took him a long time to be able to say, Stephanie, why do you do that? That bothers me. So but so, once we got it taken care of, it was fine. Yeah, like yeah. once we finally like had this, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, I, I think it's been fine. And I, he didn't know like what makes me want to be better as a person is to hear him say that I'm an awesome person. Like you are such an awesome assistant. You're the best assistant in the world. That's what makes me want to even try harder. But when he's nitpicking or like, he, he's like, like I said, he's a C. So he'll like, pick out the tiniest little things. I'm like, you can't do that. Like you just beat these, these poor TCs down. If they, if they made one mistake, let right. it go. Yes. It's not a big deal. Yes. Well, I think it's important <laughs> too that you, um, it took you so long to get to that place because I think that some of the admin that I talked to, you know, they're six months in, maybe a year in to their relationship with their mega and they're fretting because, it's not working or it seems to be not working and they're, they are having communication issues yeah. with their mega. And, you know, I, I try to say it's going to take time and you have to ask for what you want. You think that your mega is uh, going to be able to read you like an open book and be able to know oh, for sure. that, oh, well, you need a stroke here and there if you're doing a good job. Everyone, you know, likes to hear that. But if you're, not getting that from your agent, you need to speak up and say, hey, look, it would really be helpful if you would say once in a while that I might be doing a good job. Can you do that? And I yeah. think, I think oh, for sure. admin are just too afraid 
to ask for what they want in this job because they think it's, well, I'm the employee. I should just be taking right. orders and not be telling my right. mega how to act. Yeah. And he's very much always treated me as a partner and equal, like any major decisions, like I'm always involved. He's been very good about that. Cause if I was, I, I wouldn't do this job if I couldn't be like involved. It's just, it just wouldn't be for me. I don't want to be the person in charge, but I want to be the person in charge of the person in charge. Yes. <laughs> Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like I he'll, he'll tell way. everybody I'm not the boss. Stephanie's the boss. Like yes. if you need something, you talk to her. Yep. I do all the money. I, everything. Yeah. 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 I'm in the same boat. Cause I, I feel the same way. When I first read the millionaire real estate agent and saw the plan for seventh level, I was like, okay, so you mean that the admins take steps up and basically takes over the company? I'm like, how soon can we get there? So that was awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what, um, if I'm the only admin on my team or I have a transaction coordinator in addition to myself, what can I be doing to help my team get more business? Oh, gosh. Um, your own sphere of influence is always a great way to start. I've probably sent 30 referrals to the team that have actually paid out just from my own sphere, maybe past clients that I worked with when I wasn't with this team, um, people from church, people from my kids' school, anybody that you know, you've got to constantly be talking about your team. You have to constantly be telling them, I'm in real estate. I work for the best team in Idaho Falls. Like if you want to sell your house, there's nobody you should call but us. Yeah. So that's the way they need to do it is just be out there and be available and, and talk about what they do. Like mm -hmm. figure out ways to bring it up. And I mean, your, your daughter's dance thing, figure out a way to bring it up. Right. Where do you guys live? Oh, really? How long have you lived there? I mean, it's so easy to bring up real estate in any situation. Yeah. So that's the best way to help drive those. And then holding the, the guys accountable, like holding your agents accountable. I have absolutely no problem being like, mm, that's not legion. You need to get back to Legion. Like sometimes they just, even when it was just the couple of us, I'm like, uh, you guys are supposed to be doing Legion right now. And this is not Legion. Yes. So. Yes. Again, I think that goes back to the communication with the mega that some admin are just too afraid to put their foot down and say, look, I know what you should be doing and what you're doing is not it. Yeah. It, because you told that, me to tell you. And so I'm telling you. Right. Like, cause they feel like, oh, it's nagging or they don't want to hear right. me say it again. Right. And yet that's what our agents need sometimes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they need to be pushed. They don't have a person pushing them. Yep. Exactly. I'm glad you're saying that. Yep. Well, great, Stephanie. Is there anything that you think our uh, listeners should know before I get you off the line about what it takes to be the right-hand gal to a mega agent? Oh, gosh. There's lots. <laughs> <laughs> um. Be, not being afraid to speak your mind. Like there is nothing wrong with sitting someone down and being totally honest with them and just say, look, I want this relationship to work. I want to be the, the assistant that you want me to be, but I can't do that if you don't tell me what you want and then let me hold you accountable for what you told me you wanted. Yeah. Like tell me what you want and I'll make it happen. I'll do it. Yeah. I just need to yeah. know. I think there's so much lack of communication. I get Talk, girls that talk to me all the time in our office that don't get along with their mega or they, how do you do this? Or how do you do that? Like we all go through it. Everybody goes through it. There's times I want to wring mine's neck, you know, that just happens. I'm sure he wants to wring my neck, 
but you got to figure out how to make it work. And the business has to be the most important thing. Like it's, that's got to be what, is it good for the business? Is it scalable? Can we, are we moving the business forward by making this decision? And if the answer is yes, then that's what the decision needs to be. Perfect. Great advice, Stephanie. Thank you so much for your You're welcome. time today. I so appreciate you. And, you know, your top producer tips are just out of this world. And I'm going to start doing that right now. <laughs> awesome. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Anytime. Call me anytime. Awesome.